0: and welcome to Sounds Heal Podcast. I'm your host, Natalie Brown, and thanks so much for joining me as we explore sound, sound therapy, sound healing, using sound for health and wellness and related fields. I hope everyone is doing well, managing the best that they can during this challenging year, holding strong, holding your heart space open and powerful, and investing your time in in things like learning, and um, I thought there was much to be learned from our podcast guest today. I was really lucky to meet Eliane Zach at the Gong Summit in July of two thousand and nineteen and though i didn 't have much chance to to speak with her, I did feel this energy this uh, uh, this sense of empowerment, and that she 's very thoughtful and very much invested in learning and expanding. So it was really fun to speak with Elian. She is the co-founder of the Womb Center in New York, which is a multi-sensory center for sound, yoga, and breath work. So I really enjoyed this discussion with her about her background in theater, acting, writing, what led her to find yoga, uh, to become a yoga teacher, and her own spiritual explorations and explorations of the nature of consciousness we talk about the effects of listening harmonics overtones and what sound does to our consciousness and as well as consciousness expanding practices within sound yoga and specific breathing techniques and also the beauty of vocal toning so i thought that Elian absolutely was very reflective and well articulated, and has so much to offer in her own thought process and experiences that she shares with us. This episode is sponsored by the Ohm Shop and Spa, located in Sarasota, Florida. The Ohm Shop has a beautiful showroom of sound healing instruments, vibrational medicine tools their inventory continues to expand and they also have a luxury spa there in Sarasota. You can also visit them online at the ohmshop.com to see their inventory, their products, their virtual learning center, and they also offer sound meditations online. I've been lucky to teach some trainings at their beautiful shop and have some coming up in 2021 as well and it truly is one of my favorite spots in the world. So please do check the Ohm Shop out and thank you so much to the Ohm Shop for their sponsorship. Please enjoy this episode with Alion Zach. So let's let's paint a story if you could tell us a little bit about your your background, you know, perhaps a bit about your life before, uh, the work that you do now, where are you from, mm. what brought you to the States, and all mm. those adventures?
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, I actually just marked uh, 15 years in the city in New York um, yeah. uh, just a few days ago. Yeah, uh, on uh, September 11th, actually, was my move date. Oh, wow. September 11th, 2005. Mm. And I originally moved to the States from uh, my native Israel to go study theater. So I was a child actor in Israel and I believed that this was my calling and my purpose in life was to, to, um, to be on stage. Um, primarily theater, but also um, film and, and television uh, were really my main interests and, and I came here to go to a conservatory which is what i initially did when i first moved here and um after i graduated and i worked uh a lot in 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 mostly in theater in new york um i woke up one morning without any project in sight and i realized that um I wasn't really sure if this was my art, if I would risk anything to do this. And if I were okay with being an actor, if success wasn't uh, a guaranteed, you know, uh, and, um, and that sent me on a new exploration because, um, when I realized this was not really my, my deepest truth, I, um, I decided to go ahead and explore and, and, uh, and find out what was. And that sent me back to school to finish my undergrad uh, that I put on pause to go to my conservatory. And um, I started writing as a professional for, as a professional for profession for a few years, Uh, mostly creative nonfiction pieces, but also interviews and fashion and art and, Uh, copywriting a little bit and just finding a way to express and you know writing if I if I take a little um a cross-referencing writing is essentially um language and language is words and words are sound Mm -hmm. so at the end of the day that I was always drawn to that whether I was an actor a singer or a writer there was always that that part that was that always resonated no pun intended, but sure, why not? (laughs) So, um, I did that for a while and throughout my, um, my schooling and throughout actually from the moment I got to New York. So this is like, you know, about a year into my, my time in New York, I, I was always practicing yoga asana and, um, It became my solace, kind of like the place where I processed everything when when I was and was not in therapy. This was kind of like my my place of integration of uh, of uh, really getting in touch with emotions, which is something that uh, for me isn't uh, second nature, especially when it comes to emotions that are not as pleasant. So I always kind of like revert to or reverted to uh, not really dealing in and the yoga mat was a place for me to really integrate and to really feel and to really be in my soft uh parts and um i was kind of like in between things and writing but not really sure and not really willing to let go of my actor identity quite yet and um my then home studio announced that they were having a teacher training and I decided to go for it and and take take the training and uh, something really magical happened the first time I taught uh, yoga Uh, I felt like I was really home it's like oh um, I could really do this this feels absolutely right to me and it was kind of a culmination of everything that I had ever done kind of coming together in this beautiful way the spiritual exploration this sense of being a part of something bigger than myself um you know a little a little dash of performance Mm -hmm. of course as Mm -hmm. as a teacher you have to be compelling and um uh and uh have uh, some harnessed presence uh, which is something that I, you know, after 20 years and on stage, I basically had <laughs> um, a, a very intimate relationship with. And uh, and it felt really, uh, really incredible, uh, really incredible feeling. Oh, I, I think I found it, capital I. Mm-hmm. And um, this was the gateway drug, really, right. <laughs> into into a whole new... Set of, um, of 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 principles, really, of of guiding stars uh, as to what was meaningful to me and what was what my efforts were now um, directed toward. Um, should I should I go on or should I, right this, right yeah this, so that's a great a good enough answer yeah okay it's a great
0: bridge to you know what what led you to all the other aspects and all the other paths. So what, what type of yoga was that? Uh,
1: it was Vinyasa, Mm -hmm. Vinyasa yoga. Um, uh, that's, that's how I started. I still, that's my main practice. It's what really turns me on. I, I like the freedom in that movement. I like the connection of breath and movement. I like the creativity with come with that comes with Vinyasa And the fact that it's kind of like the bastard child of yoga, it doesn't, it doesn't, um, it doesn't claim to be the original of anything or the one and only philosophy or the one and only methodology. And I really like that humility that comes with the vinyasa practice, Um, the femininity of the movement. I really enjoy that. Uh, But at the same time, over the years, I've also learned and studied other kinds of yoga and other forms of movement that have influenced and inspired my vinyasa. So uh, I'm, I'm really inspired by Iyengar yoga and Katona yoga and by the teachers that I've studied with over the years in New York. I, th- I really think New York is one of the most remarkable places to study yoga because of the incredible teachers that have found their way here. Um, from Naveen Mishan to Rodney Yee and Colleen Seidman and um, the Iyengar Institute. So there's mm-hmm. just so much, so much to learn here. Um, so, yeah, I've, I've I've been having a good time.
0: Gosh, I, think, <laughs> I mean, that's true about sound in New York. But, you know, we haven't gotten to that aspect of it really yet, is that some of the great, some of the great teachers and mentors are are centered there as well. So, yeah, how, I guess, did you go directly into to teaching yoga at a studio or or what were you led to next after after that teacher training experience?
1: Yeah I started teaching at my home studio at the time that was yoga to the people and soon after got um, jobs at at other studios around the city and started teaching privately Uh, and um, I really relished and enjoyed every moment of that because it really brought together uh, I might the yoga that I started teaching was very much uh, sonic and 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 music driven, so there was always like a musical component to uh, to the class and a threaded theme throughout. So I started developing the way that I liked to learn as the form of teachings that I liked to share and. Um, It was, it was beautiful because, you know, as, as a young person, you believe that you know everything. And then as an (laughs) older person, you realize that you don't know anything. Yeah. (laughs) So there was like this precociousness to the beginning of my journey as a yoga teacher that I'm like, oh, I have this down. This is awesome. I'm awesome. (laughs) And, uh, (laughs) and, um, And then slowly discovering that I didn't really know much and that the deepening, a deepening must occur in order for me to be a teacher that I actually respect. I needed to have some mentors in my people that I uh, that I admire and I want to to learn from. And I think that was a, a tipping point in my teaching because I was teaching so, so much with not much fuel behind me because I didn't have, you know, I did one teacher training and I was kind of like launching into this quote unquote career as a yoga teacher. But then I found uh, who then became the yoga director at womb center, Francesca Bove. Uh, I I took a training with her um, at, uh, at a studio that she used to teach uh, before she started teaching at womb. And I realized that I didn't really know much and that I have much, much more to learn and that it's actually a really exciting process. And I wanted to be engaged in that. So, um, so yeah, And and Francesca also introduced me to her teachers and to her inspirations and uh, it just became this really fertile ground for growth all around. As I brought into her life the sound practice, she brought into my life the deepening of the yoga practice in the fashion that I couldn't even, I couldn't even um, fathom such a harmonious form of learning where one of my absolute best friends who became my, like a family member, like a sister, also became my teacher, mentor and uh just opened up her entire world, um, to me so generously. And, and that, that was just such a beautiful synergy and an exchange between us. Um, yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And that's, isn't that the fun part that the, the learning truly is limitless. Once we realize that we haven't learned at all, that's, that's where it gets fun and it gets exciting. That is very true. continue to deepen uh deepen and so you know let's kind of trace the path along what was you know the next step that got deeper was it into breath work or did sound come next uh, um
1: well i would say uh i don't know if this is something that you touch upon but uh, i would say um psychedelics were were the mm-hmm. the the next uh the next step for me yeah um so this is, this is a cool topic, topic for you. Right? Well, oh, absolutely.
0: <laughs> I, and very much absolutely. that uh, sound practices are psychedel- have psychedelic properties themselves. So yeah, 100%. absolutely. So absolutely. yeah,
1: so I, I would say the psychedelic experience is what led me on the further exploration is really what took the yoga as the form of union uh, of non-duality, a practice or an observation of non-duality as, as like a concrete um, path mm-hmm. and um, and my experiences at Burning Man as well, um, which are psychedelic by nature, even when there's no substance involved, just sure. by virtue of the space and the state of consciousness. So I would say an exploration of consciousness, the nature of consciousness and the self with a capital S that have become uh, the focal point of my life. And um, sound practice, I would say um, sound practice came a bit before my exploration of breath, even though pranayama, the yogic breathing, was a part of my training and something that I was always interested in and I explored. uh, At the same time, psychedelics leading into my um, interest in the nature of consciousness and in sound as the the, at the basis of the nature of consciousness were um, truly the, the way that I, the kind of like the the thread uh, and um, it was through a psychedelic experience via uh, immersion and sound that I became interested in it. I didn't even know that sound therapy was a thing. Um, but I was, uh, I had a very deep, um, it was actually a cannabis ingested, uh, cannabis experience that I had, um, maybe six years ago. So not, you know, not the most powerful psychedelic, right. But still super powerful. And, uh, and, and coming together with electronic music actually, which is, um, not mine wasn't wasn't initially my my kind of background i as as a as a creator i've always made acoustic um live music uh, you know voice and i was a rocker chick when i was <laughs> a little younger so mm-hmm. it was uh, and 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 the electronic music is something that i i didn't really understand the value of But then, on this particular, in this particular moment, something about the the music and I guess the 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 nature of that particular sound system that I was listening to, um, and and the compound that I ingested, something about that that moment was really profound, and it brought to my awareness a few questions. Well, you know, not answers, but questions instead. and the questions were, what does sound do to our consciousness? Why do we even dance? What's why why are why are we so compelled by music? And and is there any value of taking this setting of this party setting that I was observing? Um and transforming the movement instead of spontaneous dance movements and and kind of like um um uh, allowing it to dawn the 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 um, profound system of yoga asana instead so instead of just moving spontaneously what if we had the sound system surrounding uh, yoga asana movement mm-hmm. would that would that in any way be of value um and I, I wrote to myself: Is there an expert about this? Question mark. Mm-hmm. Is there? Is, who should I? Who should I talk to about this? Is this a neuroscientist or a neurosurgeon or mm-hmm. an orthopedics judge, surgeon? Does this? What's the effect on the on the on the body, on the skeletal muscular system, the nervous system, the brain? What's going on with this idea of sound vibration? What's the deal? And then I started um, sharing my newfound interest with my close people and a really good friend of mine Alessandra told me well I I know the guy for you uh, after I shared this new query I had and she said his name is Alexander Tanous and he's an ethnomusicologist sound researcher and sound therapist he's been conducting research uh, in 40 different countries uh, on thousands of people and I'm gonna put you in touch with him. And she put us in touch. And two weeks later, I found myself on the floor of a Brooklyn space with about 100 other people blindfolded uh, and going into a sound meditation experience, my first sound meditation experience. And uh, what happened to me that day or that night rather was um, it was my first experience in ceremonial setting. And uh, I I I would say my life could be divided into two uh, until that moment and from that moment on uh, because I think what really got uh, pronounced in that particular experience was my relationship to my own voice, which I had, um, I had used in so many ways over so many years uh, professionally had uh, a good amount of guilt and shame about it that, you know, my my acting conservatory and other voice teachers have made it clear that something about my voice was not entirely okay and not entirely healthy and, and constantly tried to change it. And every time I would step into a performance, I felt like there was tension that I didn't mean for but it was there and I didn't really know how to release it didn't really know what to do with it and over that experience I had this release in the voice and I were I was able to hear myself for the first time so very clearly and enjoy and enjoy and relish in my own voice for the very first time and I don't even know how many years or maybe ever Hmm. and um it was a humbling experience. It was profoundly psychedelic and revealing and intense physically and emotionally. And, and I knew that I needed to be doing this. Mm-hmm. I, wanted to be, I wanted to be doing this. Um, and I didn't know that I was going to be a sound therapist myself. I actually, my, my former partner and ex-husband, who, who was my co-founder at Womb Center, or he's forever my co-founder, um, when he came to retrieve me from that ceremony, I said, well, let me tell you, uh, I don't know about me, but I have a strong sense that you will be doing that mm. for the rest of your life. And sure enough, that's exactly what he's doing now. He he facilitates ceremonies, uh, sound ceremonies. He's a sound practitioner. And together we founded Womb Center, that is um, New York's first multi-sensory yoga and meditation studio that's based primarily on the therapeutic and psychedelic properties of sound vibration. Right. So kind of like taking everything that I experienced inside and giving it physical dimension. Um, The visuals that I saw, I wanted to project them on the walls. And so we did and uh, exploring scent and sound in uh, not only using the overtone rich instruments like gongs, singing bowls, tuning forks, but also very rich Uh, sound system that we created with uh, an incredible acoustics engineer by the the name of Terence Culkins, who's also a Zen Buddhist. So it's such a nice combination, right? Someone who's, um, that is a 3D sound system that envelops the practitioner in rich tones coming from the floor, the ceiling. And... um, and eleven-projector visual installation that displays sacred geometry and wow. hmm. and um, uh, nature drone footage of, of the sea and the sky and uh, the 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 trees and you know everything that we're missing here in New York but is completely present in our imagination in our memories and uh, a scent. An essential oil blend co-created with an, an incredible bio alchemist by the name of Michelle Gagnon, who is just a fairy of <laughs> <laughs> just a just a little fairy um, sprinkling her magic dust all over the city. So um, we've 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 made I I don't want to say externalize the psychedelic experience, but kind of made it accessible Mm -hmm. to all in new york for even an hour at a time and and with this with this experience with this with this facility with the 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 womb itself the 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 space itself we have developed three um primary experiences the womb yoga experience womb sound womb uh, breath experience And womb sound experience—that is kind of like the culmination of all of of all of them together. It's a three-hour-long experience, and um, and yeah, and I've been doing this for um, four and a half years now at womb. Well,
0: I have to say that of all the the people that your friend could have recommended about your your experience, your questions, Alexander Tranous was the (laughs) the right person. I mean you know, he's Absolutely. really just so well-respected and so, um, so knowledgeable. And, and then you did training with him as well. So was he Correct. able to ask you at, uh, you know, kind of answer your questions that you initially had during that
1: experience? The, my questions almost became irrelevant by the time I, I started uh, diving into this work. Uh, I, yes, there are some questions that were answered. Yes. <laughs> I know, I know more and the, 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 Alexander became a very good friend of mine. We collaborate um, on Womb Sound School, which is the training at Womb that we do uh, uh, three to four times a year. We Mm -hmm. have three, uh, two different modules and the, the study, the studying never ends. Right. Mm -hmm. So yeah, he was able to answer, but those questions became irrelevant. They were replaced with new questions that became (laughs) super exciting and, um, yeah, and and more more practical now. It it moved from theory into practice, and now how how the how mm-hmm. um, became the most interesting part for me. Well, I
0: guess then I would a couple questions. Then how do you think it is that sound shifts our, our consciousness?
1: Oh my god! <laughs> well let's start with like the basic mm-hmm. when we listen we okay so okay let's take it back a little bit <laughs> <laughs> there's this beautiful quote by mark Nepo that my friends uh josh and eliza of the dojo upstate i don't know if you've heard of mm-hmm. this place Uh, So they're uh, two of my very, very, very close friends, and they introduced me to this quote, and I feel like it's it's a life-changing piece of writing. To listen is to lean in softly with a willingness to be changed by what we hear. Mm. When we truly listen, instead of repeating old stories and narratives and truths that we are certain of, we have this opportunity to expand and to change. Um, And this is at the basis of sound affecting consciousness, in my opinion, is the spontaneity, the, uh, what's the exact word I'm looking for? The, The adaptability of consciousness as it comes it, as it becomes focused uh, soft soft focus on a point of reference and you know I can speak about the nature of overtones um, as well Mitch Noor talks about um, this Yale study um, that uh, found um, filter in the right about the left ear in the in the auditory cortex uh, of the brain that both humans and a couple of other species I think within them are dolphins share and this filter is thought to be the one through which we receive the harmonic spectrum of sound and this um, this study concludes that the this filter or harmonics, rather, are our form of communion or communication with source, with the divine. So there's a correlation between the harmonic spectrum that is both—it's um, basically a mathematical ratios made audible—and we can see this also in nature, in various forms, in plants, and you know the the golden ratio the uh, the Fibonacci sequence, et cetera, et cetera, that, that also visual or kind of, yeah, vi- I guess visual representations of harmonics. Mm. And um, I don't remember why I started telling you about this. Um, okay, so we're talking about listening right. as a as, so when we maintain focus on uh, on on listening on on some, some, on, on Harmonics, something opens up and we become malleable in light of what is. Mm. Whereas when we repeat whatever it is that we already know, there's no um, there's no movement. It's stagnation. Nothing really takes place. It's uh, kind of like the hamster in the wheel. Mm-hmm. We keep grinding the same information over and over again. Mm. And the idea behind it is really to get a little bit closer to the nature of reality and to the nature, and the nature of reality is really the nature of consciousness. Nature of consciousness means the nature of self. What is the observing I? Not my personality or my identity that I very carefully try to construct, but rather the observing entity that sees observe, witnesses the occurrence of everything. And through um, our words, I would say this is our most, the grossest uh, layer of this practice of listening. The voice speaking language, we speak things into existence. Without speaking and contextualizing, so right, there's Thought, word, and deed—deed deed would be the the grossest, right? Action, whatever it is that we do. But everything that we say, the sounds that we make, when we speak, not only do we affect whoever it is that we're speaking to, but we ultimately are continuously affecting ourselves with our own words. Because no matter how many people I listen to, the person that I'm listening to and that I'm hearing the most is myself. And that goes into the relationship to the self. What is this relationship? What is the dialogue that is taking place between myself and me? And this is also of a high sonic importance if uh, in my in my current understanding Mm -hmm. because over the years I've had not so pleasant conversations with myself if I had to Mm -hmm. be completely honest I had uh, this this notion that I had this self-love thing down it's like I got this this is Mm -hmm. not something that I need to work on particularly when the truth is, this is lesson number one that I, I find that I constantly need to revisit and revisit and revisit. Yeah. And this is highly, and, and if we go back to subtler layers of the relationship, I go back to thoughts, and thoughts are also conversation. It's always clarifying and clarifying and clarifying the present moment to the self. What is this conversation all about? What is taking place inside the box? And is there a way to blend the heart and the brain and the gut, the belly, right? All three centers of uh, intelligence that we have, but in our modern Western world, we put increasing emphasis on what's going on in the brain how the brain is processing or the mind rather you know what i'll take it back i'll say the mind the thinking mind we're told to be rational we're told to be to think things through and very little um attention is put is put on our emotions and also on our intuition how do we perceive what is the gut telling us and the voice which is uh, the, uh, the physical manifestation of thought, is really the blend of all three of those centers, right? It's, it's, uh, the, the, the belly is the support of the voice of the instrument. That's where things stem from. The voice is produced in the belly, and then it travels through the resonance of the heart and channels through the throat into the mouth Bringing in codes from the brain, so there's this unique opportunity with word, with with voice, to to produce a truth that is so multi-layered that is absolutely simple and pure. It's like the the culmination of every single thing that we are, if we're aware of it, that can come through um, from the voice. Um, and then, it also, you know, if we if we if we take that a step further, it's, we when we start cultivating this deep love, unconditional, for the self, cultivating a communication that is healthy and soft and gentle with the self, then that extends outward, and then instead of waiting for someone else to finish speaking so we can state our piece and sound smart or win the argument or whatever it is that we constantly try to do, we have this sensitivity to whatever it is that's coming my way from that person who's speaking to me, whether it's a loved one or a teacher or or a stranger on the street. It has now the capacity to change something about me and change my response in in such a way that I that that I am in constant flow with whatever it is that's truly happening in the present moment. And this is what really meditation is all about is rooting us back into the infinite nature of the present moment and that nothing aside for that exists. Mm. And in listening, we are constantly rooted in the now. Because when we're not listening, when we're engaged in thought of what am I going to respond to that, we're not in the present moment. We're either thinking about the future or dwelling in the past, mm-hmm. uh, also known as anxiety and depression. Right.
0: Right.
1: So I don't know. I don't know. I may have gone like on a tangent here, but I
0: feel like it's beautiful. Kind of like... No, beautiful description, and and it got me thinking about. Really what you said is why, uh, you know, toning, vocal toning is so powerful, not only personal toning for yourself, for your own heart, for your own resonance, but, you know, kind of the different aspects when you're toning with a group of people.
1: Uh, exactly. Which, you know, is... is that we find ourselves when we tone, when we, when we practice mm-hmm. this, right? We find ourselves um, in, in a few different realms of existence. There's the, the expressive parts, right? We use our voices not just to communicate verbally, and that's the beauty of vocal toning, that the, the, the words are no longer a limitation. But we use voice in, 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 in so many sacred, and I use this word sparingly, but in sacred practices, in our joys, in our fears, we cry with the voice, we make love with the voice, we pray with the voice, we laugh with the voice. So the voice is really so when we we tone, we have an opportunity really to express what is actually going on in the present moment. That's one. And then there's the I am important. I am significant piece to this because no one in the world sounds exactly like me. I am this It's like a, it's like a fingerprint. My voice is like a fingerprint. No one else is just like that. And that's really powerful. It means that if I'm in a group of people and I choose not to share my own unique gift, the circle is not going to be the same. So it gives us responsibility for our contribution is I need to contribute. I'm important, and how do I contribute? What is my form of contribution to this group? And then, on the other side of that is, I am part of something much greater than myself. I am supported by this. So I have this seesaw experience between sharing and receiving, constantly in the vocal toning, in the vocal toning. Um, paradigm is uh is it's really it's it's beautiful because i feel like normally there's very little dissonance in in those practices because people are really in their vulnerability using their voice is such a vulnerable practice and when ego enters the equation we immediately can feel that on ourselves like oh i'm I'm pushing now. This is not effortless. This is not it. And we get to really enjoy each other without any, without distraction of what that thing looks like. It's no longer a performance. We do this like when we do when we pray or when we kiss or when we eat something yummy, we do that with our eyes closed. It's this moment of relishing everything that is, and it's um it's really a practice of the here and now because we create this beautiful symphony of of intention that never repeats it happens once and it never repeats it's kind of like the construct of the clouds in the sky take a mental picture of it because this is it this is now now is all you have now is all we have And that's why I love the sound practice so much, because it's this unrehearsed, uh, deeply studied, deeply practiced, but unrehearsed um, orchestration of powerful forces, if that makes sense, Mm -hmm. of of people receiving the energy and the energy moving from the people and into the practitioner. And... um, This goes both from from the listening experience and from the toning experience. I find those to be kind of like um, mirror images of one another.
0: Right. That's very well articulated. Yeah. Yeah, I want to ask you a couple questions about breath work. I know that's so important to, to what you do. And I have no knowledge of the holotropic technique. I don't know if that's something that you... Ah, uh, continue to practice, but um, if you could just explain what that is a little bit, and and what makes it unique and and powerful.
1: Surely, I love I love speaking about that. So, holotropic breathwork is a uh, a technique that was created by Dr. Stanislav Grof and Christina Grof. Um, Dr. Stan Grof is a Czech psychiatrist and one of the first people to experiment with LSD on live subjects back in the 60s. And um, late 60s, I believe it was, the American government shut his LSD research down for obvious reasons. LSD became a Schedule One drug and it was no longer legal to be used in any capacity. And um, Dr. Grof and his wife decided to... Uh, Find a way to explore consciousness and to map out the psyche that would be uh, accepted and received by the medical community, by the psychonauts, spiritual community, and also by the authorities. And they came up with this breathing technique that uses circular breath. Uh, Very simply put, it's uh, deep and uh, more rapid inhale and exhale while blurring the lines between inhale and exhale so there's no pause at the top of the inhale and no pause at the bottom of the exhale. Essentially, the breath is constructed of two chapters, an inhale pause or pregnant pause, exhale pause or empty pause. So we kind of eliminate the pauses and create a circular continuous breathing pattern for a very extended period of time. The holotrophic breathing technique is um, um, practiced traditionally for three hours, and it includes evocative and evocative musical playlists, uh, partner work, group discussions, but following and drawing mandalas. There's a real system behind it that was created by the couple. But breathwork at its, its essence and this circular breathing has been practiced by many um, ancient societies like the shamanic societies of uh South and Central America uh the ecstatic Kabbalists, of course the yogis have all dabbled in this consciousness expanding in these consciousness expanding uh practices and we know uh just by language alone that the soul or the spirit and uh and breath are interwe interwoven and connected I'm I'm as I said in the beginning I'm, I'm Israeli mm-hmm and my native language is Hebrew. And in Hebrew, super ancient language without any coincidences in it. And the, the the words for soul and the words for breath are nearly the same. So soul is neshama and breath is neshima. So wow. nearly the same word. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So there's an interconnectedness between the nature of the self and the breath. And it is, I believe, a uh, Portal into non-ordinary, or what I like to say, extraordinary states of consciousness. And um, it, it, is, it, it acts very much like uh, a psychedelic compound. And it has the capacity to um, present information to us. And in my understanding, at this point in life, there's really nothing that takes place outside of us. Mm-hmm. Our consciousness is pure space, illuminating information, and we have the we we everything everything stems from inside of us. So we have this greater access while um, breathing in these fashions to um, attain a wider view of the nature of reality, very much like in the psychedelic experience. Uh, this is no magic pill, so it will, It requires effort. There are some startling side effects to it that people uh, might not be super keen on experiencing, perhaps, at times, uh, because, you know, very much like, you know, an ayahuasca ceremony, for instance, mm-hmm. in which there is some... Um, uh there is some um significant turmoil. Right. The the same the same thing happens in the in the in the, in the holotropic breath work. The body begins to become compromised. Um in ways uh we feel uh tension, pressure, uh a sense of loss of control that could be startling for people. But at the end of the day it's it's rather safe and uh uh, whether, I mean, some people I wouldn't recommend maybe to go to to have these experiences. For instance, people like pregnant women, I wouldn't, though I know there are some breath, uh, breath work facilitators who have no issue with women, with pregnant women having these experiences. Um, people with acute asthma, with cardiovascular issues, I would say maybe Consult someone about it before getting into an experience, but uh, at the end of the day, it's a rather safe methodology for self-exploration is so powerful and so effective. And you know, even within, if you engage in this breath work, even within three minutes, you already feel a shift mm. in your, in your, in the self, and the awareness, and the body, and it's very, very powerful. So I like, and we like at womb to combine modalities um, in honor, uh, while keeping uh, reverence uh, or holding reverence, I guess, to to the practices and where they stem from. You know, we use instruments from all over the world, uh, and they are not necessarily related to each other. Like a gong and a and a and a drum, for instance, they don't come from the same lineage, but there is a correlation between them. so we also mix the breathwork practice with the sound practice with the toning practice, and everything together really works together in perfect harmony, uh, creating a very powerful experience. Mm.
0: Just each enhances each other, yeah. And during this time, you know, as far as what you've been doing, uh, it's such an important time, and you see more and more people immersing themselves in sound and yoga and breath work. Have you been able to do events recently at all, or is it virtual or on hold, or how are you all managing right now? Uh, yeah, it's
1: currently virtual. Um I don't even know how we're managing, to be honest with yeah. you. It's, um, yeah. it's, you know, it's moment to moment kind of experience. I'm not entirely sure where it's all going to go. Rolling with the punches, mm-hmm. currently working on an on-demand platform that will offer on-demand yoga and sound. Uh, I find that doing breath work... Um, Virtually is irresponsible. I know there are some breathwork practitioners who do this. I choose not to facilitate breathwork. Yeah. Yeah. I will do pranayama, and I have taught pranayama. But breathwork, holotropic, rebirthing, all of this stuff, I would like to be there with the people and make sure that I can crisis manage if there is any 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 crisis to be managed. And just the thought of people. Laying in their homes, doing breath work by themselves without anyone watching over them and making sure that they're safe, I just find that to be absolutely irresponsible. Sure. Yeah. Um. But yes, we have been doing virtual. Uh, we've been operating on Zoom since March, mm-hmm. and now the on the on-demand platform is coming up, and we have been doing sound um, events, both uh, our own womb sound experience variations online as well as um some guest practitioners from all over the country. Um so yeah, it's it's been going on. I don't know where this is all leading, but yes, it has right. been going on.
0: Right. I was gonna say hopefully, you know, once in person things can happen again, you'll just be able to have that mix, have that offering that you do have on demand, but we'll also able be able to have in person.
1: Definitely, yeah. definitely and and um and I'm also planning on, because New York is currently not open at all, at right. least not group group classes are not permitted, but in Miami, everything is open, and uh, there's a really vibrant um, community in Miami for uh, self-exploration, so uh, within the next couple of months or so, I'm going to be moving back and forth between New York mm-hmm. and Miami, offering mm-hmm. some, some stuff there, so I'm really excited about actually doing stuff in person again and not through screens not right. that it hasn't been a gift <laughs> but it's uh i miss the people i miss oh, yeah. seeing the people yes
0: yeah. yes that that energy and connection and yeah you've kind of through this this conversation you've talked so much about learning and, and getting deeper so I, i'm curious what is is coming forth right now that you're really excited about learning or um working on more that's
1: such a great question. So, I've in the last, um, I I got injured um, mm. in the, I got injured in about May, pretty severely in my right foot, um, mm. and I wasn't able to walk uh, oh, wow. for for about four months. Actually, I started walking recently again, mm. and that really changed the trajectory of my interest because I couldn't practice yoga, asana at all. I couldn't even stand. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was, uh, I was basically asked by the universe to sit and mm-hmm. listen. Right, And um, I really wanted some form of um, inspiration to come my way. And sure enough, I found um, this really incredible musician slash comedian slash Buddhist teacher who started doing, started conducting Zoom classes on Kadampa uh, and Tibetan Buddhism, and this is my my most recent exploration and study is uh, is Buddhism because mm-hmm. uh, coming from a yogic background, I was mostly immersed in Hinduism and mythology, mm-hmm. and um, always had uh, kind of like a, a love fear relationship with Buddhism because I just didn't know much about it and it seems and it seems like uh, a little bit uh non-romantic mm-hmm. enough mm-hmm. for me mm-hmm. and uh, so so I decided to kind of like give it a go and I've been doing this for about two months now studying with Daniel uh studying studying Buddhism and uh, learning Buddhist Buddhist meditations um uh, so this is this is a uh, this is one thing that I'm yeah. quite interested in. Mm-hmm. And the second thing that I still haven't found my teacher, but maybe you have some recommendations, I think I would like to start um, learning more about Tantra.
0: Oh yeah, well Christopher Wallace, do you know Christopher Wallace? I do not. Oh yeah, I can send you a couple links. He's excellent. I've taken. A couple of his courses. Um, oh, what's that great book? Yeah, I'll have to uh, dig that out of my brain. Um, but I think you would really like him. Christopher Wallace. Yeah. And he he's the guy, I don't know if you've ever read that, that he wrote this blog post that goes around that's like the real story or the true story of the chakras and the chakra system um, that's gone ar- around and kind of uh, explores the. Um, modern take that there's seven chakras and he really goes, he's a Sanskrit scholar and he kind of goes in depth with that. But yeah, his tantric courses so he has some virtual ones that are really good. So I'll I'll send you. All some right,
1: stuff. I I trust that you're going to share this information with
0: me. Yes, absolutely. Okay, great. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> sure. <laughs> yeah, cool. So yeah, that's something that you want to look into as well. Yeah. Yes, for awesome. sure. Very cool. Well, thanks so much. This has been really Thank you. excellent. I just uh, really appreciate you and um, your, your hunger to learn and explore all this. So thanks so much.
1: Thank you so much, Natalie. It was a pleasure. Thank you. All right. We'll take awesome. care. I'll talk, talk to you so soon.
0: Much. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for tuning into this episode of Sounds Heal Podcast, sponsored by the Ohm Shop and Spa. And keep up to date with what's coming up next at soundshealstudio.com. Check things out on Facebook at Sounds Heal Studio and you can listen to all previous podcasts as well as music meditations on the YouTube channel at Sounds Heal Studio. Be well and stay tuned.